the biggest thing on his checklist from the beginning of the season was the Pasternak extension. Um, if you guys want to kind of get into that a little bit, eight years. So he's going to be here for a long time. Um, eight years, 11 $0.25 million a year, which I do want to give Keith credit. I know we've talked about this before. Keith had this a while ago that the price had gone up to 11.25 based on his source. And that's what it ends up being. So I just want to give him credit um, because, you know, that was something he found out that was pushed back on a little bit by, by other reporters or by I believe JP Barry himself said something about the first Keith report, but um, either way, I don't like eight years, 11 million would have been ideal for the Bruins, but there's no reason why you don't go to 11.25. Um, it's really not that big of a difference. Um, and something, I believe you asked us, Scott, um, this morning when Pasenak spoke about the contract extension you asked, did the picture around what this team could look like in the future factor into your decision? And he said, no, because I believe that Don Sweeney is going to put together a good team and basically that there's not going to be that much drop off. Um, it's not going to be a rebuild, essentially. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, me, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he's 100% telling the truth. Like it's, it's absolutely possible that they talked about that, like as part of the many conversations they've had. Um, but I do think it's probably fair to say like Pasternak wasn't making any demands or like saying like, you have to go and get this guy or like we have to trade for it. Like he wasn't doing that, but I'm, I'm sure it came up in conversation of like, Hey, you know, like we're not going to go into like a full rebuild. Right. And Sweeney, I think can accurately tell him like, no, we're not because when you have, Pasternak and McAvoy and Lindholm locked up long-term and Marshan still with a few years left and Taylor Hall and the goaltending situation. Like that's not a rebuilding team to Brian's point. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a team that might need some work, might need one big piece, but at the very least, it's still going to be competitive. It's still going to be, you know, probably in the playoffs at the very least competing for a playoff spot. What do you think about the timing of this? Um, because I know, I know, like we just said, he answered, and I do believe him that he wanted to be a Bruin this whole, like right along this whole time. And that I think he really was pretty hands-off in the negotiations. Um, he was asked, uh, if like, did you try to get the ball rolling recently the past week? And, um, either Neely or Sweeney said that over the last three weeks, things had really started to come closer together and they were ready to do a deal. But Pasenak, I think jokingly said, yeah, last night I, yeah. <laughs> I, I said, let's just get this done. Um, yeah. He was, he was asked like, you know, at, at any point did you go to JP Barry as agent and just say like, Hey, let's just get this done. And yeah. Pasenak was like, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's get this done. But the timing of it is interesting because it comes after this really good trade deadline and like, it does. It comes after a point in time where Don Sweeney would have been gaining trust with players um, that were questioning the future. That he could, um, you know, lead them in the right direction, make the right moves, and put together a good team no matter what. Do you think that the timing? Just thoughts on the timing, Brian? Did I don't know if you had anything on that, but I, I mean, 
I feel like deals, a lot of deals tend to come together right before the trade deadline, just because teams want that certainty. They don't want to go, you know, down the stretch of the regular season into the playoffs, have it linger. Like the closer someone gets to free agency, the, you know, the more you have to like think about that possibility that they're going to actually test it and go to the open market. And, and Sweeney even kind of touched on that saying like, you know, we always thought we were moving in the right direction. We were always pretty confident that it was going to get done. But the longer it drags on, like, you have to wonder. Like, you have to take everything into account and weigh every option. Um, so, you know, like, you saw it with Dylan Larkin in Detroit that I mentioned. Like, you do see it, you know, where teams kind of get to the deadline and they just want to know. They just want that certainty. So they make that last push and then get it across the finish line. And I think that's what happened here. I, I don't know that it's really all that related to the trades. Like I think they were probably getting here regardless of whether Sweeney makes two good trades or not. Yeah, uh, it kind of sounds like they were close together the whole year that it could have happened at any point. Yeah. Um, but sorry, continue. No, that, that, that was pretty much it. Like I, I think it was getting done really regardless of anything else like if anything you know i think getting this done maybe allows sweeney to go more all in in the sense that like you know if there had been discussions about like hey what does the future look like type thing you know does that in any way make him hesitant to give up first round picks for rentals whereas i think the fact that they were getting closer and it was going to get done is just like one last thing he has to worry about where where it's like Okay, I don't have to worry about like, does David Passa not care about future draft picks? Which I don't really think he does. But if like that's anywhere in his mind at all, um, the fact that they're getting close obviously just removes that. I think he just I don't I think he doesn't worry himself with that kind of thing. He just do, like goes out there and plays hockey, is is what it seems like. I, I feel like if if if, if Pasternak waited until the off season. Uh, I feel like that would have been best for him as far as getting the, the best price, whether it was from Boston or somebody else. But if his if his main goal was to stay in Boston and, and kind of make sure that the team were to stay competitive while he stays in Boston, I feel like that's why he may have done – they may have done a deal now because now if that's what he values – it gives Don the opportunity to know what David's number is going forward and allocate the cap accordingly. And it's no, it's not, a, it's not a mystery going like now, now Don knows ahead of the off season, what his, what his, what his roster looks like and maybe what guys he is willing to part with and maybe identify certain guys that he might be able to afford to bring in to kind of keep that team competitive, which David cares about. So I feel like, Allowing the Bruins to know what what Pasternak's number is now helps them build the roster going forward, as opposed to delaying that three or four months. And I think maybe that played into it as well. Um, so that's something I thought of as well. Two things. Um, I think also I know cap is going to be the issue. Really, if we're if we're worried about next season, like cap is going to be the, the the main issue. But something good about having Pasternak signed and locked in for as long as he is as well as that good players attract good players. Like you're trying to sign free agents and they want to come to a team that has good players and why not 
want to play on a team with all these guys, including Pasternak, that the Bruins already have locked up. And I know I said two things, but I forget what the other thing was. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so a couple other things like just worth noting, I guess. Uh, what Brian said about, you know, now it allows because the front office, like their trade deadline work ends Friday at 3 p.m. But it's not like those guys just, you know, sit back and kick their feet up for the rest of the season because, hey, we've done our job. No, like they immediately now turn their attention to offseason stuff and planning all that. So, yeah, like having that locked in does help because now they can, you know, really focus on that. And then the second thing, as far as the cap goes, is putting Hall in long-term IR also kind of blows up any plan they might have had to, like, um, reduce some of the overage money bonuses for Bergeron and Krejci. Um, it's now much more likely that those are going to carry over to next season, uh, which, you know, just kind of puts them even further behind the eight ball. But again, an off season issue that, yeah, you're just going to have to deal with when it gets here. Knowing that that Sweeney is, uh, he, he's typically um, not a rental kind of guy at the deadline. And, but at the same time, understanding the the tightness of the cap that the Bruins are up against going into next year, like you just kind of brought up, Scott, even with you know bonuses and whatnot. Like, do you think that Sweeney views um, Orloff and or Bertuzzi as rentals, or do you think he's going to try to stick with his philosophy, and maybe try to get those guys? So, I, I mean, Bertuzzi is probably due for a good payday. Um, I'm not sure where Orloff is probably worth in the market but um what do you what do you think about that yeah i I think probably with all three guys that they'll at least have initial conversations and if things go well there will be interest but yeah it's definitely going to just be a price thing because uh you know the capitals wanted to extend orlov and weren't able to and it sounds like maybe length of the deal was the issue there they you know he wanted like another kind of longer term deal and Capitals didn't want to pay him into his late 30s. Um, so, you know, would a longer-term deal get him to sign for a little less per year? Like, maybe that's – if the Bruins are willing to do that, maybe that's a way to make that work. Um, Bertuzzi, like you said, like he's also due for a pretty good payday. Um, do you think you could get a little bit of a discount on him just because of the injuries this year and the numbers being a little bit lower, like, or being well, lower than what they were in the past? Or do you think he's going to have teams offering him more just based off of the previous seasons? Yeah. Well, I, if I'm Tyler Bertuzzi, first off, there's no way in hell I'm signing right now because the Bruins are going to come at me with the, like, if they're talking at all right now the Bruins would use in negotiations, like the injuries and the down season against them. Uh, so Tyler Bertuzzi is going to bet on himself to finish strong, have a good playoffs, hopefully win a Stanley cup and then cash in because this, if he does that, this will probably be the biggest payday of his career. So, um, you know, I don't know who his agent is, but I'm assuming that's going to be the advice is like, we're going to play this out, get to the market and, and get paid. Um, so my, I feel like he's probably the least likely to, to resign, but that's kind of just a gut feeling. Like I don't have any real insight on that. 
I think it's an educated, you know, analysis of, of where they're at in terms of what they need and, and who they can bring back with such limited cap space. <laughs> um, so like that's, it's just educated at this point. Um, but uh, do you guys want to switch topics a little bit? Um, it's, a, it's in the same vein because we're, we're talking about Orlov, but um, just to get into where he is uh, with the Bruins, his production, his production with the Bruins has been just way more than what you would have thought offensively. He was brought in as, you know, he's a good defense and we knew that, but like all of a sudden his production is, is through the roof. He had three goals in 43 games with the, the Capitals. He has the same amount of goals uh, in four games for the Bruins and seven points. And um, so I want to talk about the rotation that he's been in. Um, some, some things that he said after the game about playing with all sorts of different guys, um, and just his performances, what he's been able to do on the ice. Yeah. So I, I, on the ice, first off, just incredible, like above and beyond what anyone could have expected. Um, you know, and he said like, he's had some good offensive stretches in the past. It's not like he doesn't have offense in his game, but yeah, I think coming here, like, I think they've allowed him to play a little bit more free um, and he's taken advantage of that. And I also think kind of playing without a ton of pressure yet where it's like, yeah, he's a new guy. Just, just go out and play. You know, we're not drilling down on every little detail or, you know, every little thing that you have to do in every situation, you know, we're going to add that over time. It's going to be a little bit of time, not all at once. Uh, I think that's probably helped him. Um, you know, he scores on, on a four and three power play on a one timer. He's gotten a little bit more power play time. Capitals basically didn't use him on the power play. Um, cause I had asked him about that, that the Bruins have put him in that right elbow spot on the second power play unit. And he said like, he played that, that a little bit in the past. Uh, but like a long time ago, like most recently the Capitals just haven't used him on their power play. So that's another new opportunity for him. Um, yeah, as far as like the sy- system stuff or like the different pairings, you know, he said he, like, yeah, obviously it's weird playing with like four different partners, four different nights, but he feels like he's getting more comfortable, especially just within the system. And that's probably the key. Like, I think all the Bruins defensemen play mostly the same way. Obviously they all have different skill sets and different guys can do different things, but for the most part, like knowing, you know, when to get up ice is the weak side D that's kind of the same across all their pairings. So I think he's getting more comfortable with some of that. And that kind of helps with, you know, wherever they put them, whichever pairing, whichever side, at least having that foundation helps. Yeah. And Montgomery kind of joked about it. Cause he was like, yeah, we're going to keep moving him around because it just, it, it keeps working. And, and it, and it, it, I think he's having fun, like trying him out near different players today. He was paired with Carlo. Um, but Montgomery even said he's probably on the team, like top three in terms of one timers. It was a beautiful goal really on the power play. And it's a different look for the Bruins as well to go two D, especially in a four on three. I wouldn't have thought they were going to do that, but they go, Lindholm and Orloff and Lindholm ends up setting that up. Um, so 
still a little bit different. I think that Montgomery's having fun moving things around and manipulating their roster the way that he's been able to. Um, and just Orlov, or I should say Hathaway talked about Orlov in Washington. And I, cause I asked Hathaway the, a question about, does this system free him up to be more offensive? And he said, I've seen him do this before. Like this isn't new for him necessarily. It's maybe new for Bruins fans to watch it and see it because it's a little bit different than they expected. But um, Orlov has that offensive side to his game and the, the pairs he's been with and just being with the Bruins has let him show it right away. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about this blue line. Like last year to start the season, their, their top pair was McAvoy and Forbert. And, you know, you go down the list, it was Carlo and Grizzlick and Clifton and Zaborl or Clifton and Jeremy Lozon. Like to, 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 to think that now <laughs> they have three, top pair caliber defenseman in their top six is just, it's an embarrassment of riches. Like to have Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, Dmitry Orlov, Brendan Carlo, like it's Grizzly, Clifton, like Forbertry, whatever. It's just go down a list. It's an, it's, it's like, it's like a Scott mentioned last episode, like the, like the late nineties, like early two thousands, Western conference teams. It's like, this is just like, there, this is, this is the best, on paper, this is the best Bruins team when healthy going into the playoffs I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like, it, bar none. And not, and that includes the cup-winning team in 2011. It includes the cup finalist teams in 13 and 19. Like, on paper going into the playoff season, this is the best team on paper I've ever seen in my lifetime for the Bruins. It's ridiculous. Um, and Orloff is a big part of that as well. Again, like, the Bruins already had an embarrassment of riches. They already had two number one guys. Not, most teams, most playoff teams don't have two number one guys like like Lindholm and McAvoy. The Bruins had that already, and now they go out and have a third. It's like, now not all are created equally. I'm not saying that Orloff and McAvoy are the same level, but I'm just saying like they're three top pair caliber guys. Like most teams don't, most teams, you know, they're lucky to have, it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is insane. I mean, like you think Tampa Bay, like Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev, that was pretty damn good. That was pretty damn good. McAvoy, Lindholm, and Orlov rivals that every every day of the week. Um, and that's just in the back end. And and the other three, four guys in the back end are also very good at what they do. Um, Orlov has been very good. And and it's not easy to, to, to be in Washington, to travel out west, um, not have a practice. You fly back to Boston. Like, where are they staying right now? Hotels right the, now. The Omni? Like, honestly, yeah. And they have rental cars. Like, they don't have their cars. Their family's not here. They don't have apartments yet. Yeah, it's not easy living. And different deep pairs and, every night, like you said. So it's it's very impressive what he's done in the first his first four games. Five games. Four, four. games as a Bruin. Yeah, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, a, f- a few things off of that. Um, something that stuck out to me this morning from Cam Neely's press conference was that the Bruins and Sweeney have such a – crazy deadline, such great depth. Like you just mentioned, that is better than I can remember either. But someone asked him, what about the other moves that were made by other teams? And he said, I've never seen anything like this deadline, the way that pretty much every contender in the East is doing this much and go, everybody's going all in. It seems like, so he was to him who, and he's been around the game a long time to say that, 
he cannot remember a deadline that's gone this way where so much firepower has been added to the East as something to me. Yeah. And it, it is insane. Like, it, you know, it, Thursday, the, the Bruins are the big, it seems like there's a big move every day. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least one, maybe two more on Friday, but yeah, the Bruins are the big move on, on Thursday though. Like Bertuzzi, that was, you know, that was kind of like, at first, you know, the initial reactions to it on Twitter were like, how, how is this even possible? Like, how do they even fit him in? And then you find out the Hall and Felino injuries are a little more serious. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's why. But even still, you know, I think looking ahead, though, like Bertuzzi for Hall, obviously you want to get Hall back at some point. But, like, that's a pretty good swap. And then it's, you know, just figure out your fourth line. Figure out... um you know, who can play for Felino is probably going to be more Greer getting ice time. And, you know, I think like, like Greer is fairly limited in what he does, but I think he's fine. Um, I still don't, I would not rule out the Bruins doing something else on Friday. I don't think they will. Um, Luch. 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 No. 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 We've added a lot of guys with edge. So, I mean. Yeah. That's that's um, the theme this deadline. Everybody's got a little edge to their game. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the big one everyone's going to be watching is Carolina. Like Carolina still has space to do stuff. Um, everyone else, I, I f- feel like is probably set, but I guess you just never know with the way this past two weeks have gone. Um, but yeah, it's. It's tough. We, we've talked about it. like it's just an absolutely stacked conference. 